0: What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning back in to the show. If you're new, if you're a new listener to Beer and Bullshit Podcast, be sure to give us a like and a follow on Spotify. Uh, also, on you can follow us on Instagram at Beer, the letter N, Bullshit Podcast. Um, and you can also follow my, my personal page, Corey Crowns. Uh, if you like the show, give us a good review. If you fucking hate the show, still give us a review. You know, we, we like all criticism and, and feedback. We encourage, strongly encourage feedback. So jumping right into it today, I had Neil Cohen on the show. Neil is a director, an author and a writer. And he's really, really funny, super funny guy. So we had a lot of fun in this episode. I was actually um, this is like post Hurricane Laura. Uh, I'm in the area for you guys that don't know. I'm in the area where the, the hurricane hit. So I was actually evacuated in a hotel during this episode. And, uh, you know, we talk about the hurricane and we talk about podcasting. We talk about uh, a movie that he directed and uh, produced 30 some odd years ago that's just resurfacing and that's now available for you guys to rent and check out. And it's more relevant than ever now. So uh, I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. And I definitely uh, again, I strongly encourage feedback. So let me know. Cheers.
1: Unbelievable. It's happening. Just <laughs> There we go. We're laughing. We're here. We're together.
0: <laughs> Finally, right? <laughs> oh, it's all good,
1: man. It's all good. Good
0: morning. Yes, sir. Good morning to you as well. How are you today?
1: I'm doing okay under the circumstances of what's going on in our world that we uh, <sighs> have to figure out a way to uh, smile and uh, and gain some control over.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We definitely have to uh I feel like we have to adapt and adjust, man. It's there's so much just turbulence going on. Like I I just I don't know. I don't know what to think anymore, you know? <laughs> well, you're and and you in Texas, uh, you're in Houston. Uh no so so I'm currently uh I'm I'm uh close to Houston. We're I'm currently in Southeast Texas. So Beaumont uh-huh. um uh, to be yeah. more specific, Beaumont, and, um, you know, so we, we just had a rough few days, you know, with uh, yeah. these hurricanes and the storms and everything. We, uh, honestly, we dodged a bullet because the, yeah. the, the storm shifted a little bit uh, east, more so east, so poor Louisiana, you know, it's, uh, Louisiana got yeah. rocked by this, this past uh, storm. It sucks, you know, because uh, Beaumont definitely felt some, uh uh some of the storm you know we we had some power outages and some damages but uh we're not in nearby uh, as near as bad as uh Louisiana uh like western Louisiana, southwest Louisiana, Cameron, Vinton, uh places like that. Those places are are no more. Lake Charles?
1: Yeah, that's yeah and yeah, and no more, right. Man, well tighten your seat belt because it's just the beginning of hurricane season, so uh uh, so are we on now or ha- how do you want to like set up like you're you're in control here? Uh, I'm happy if this is uh, part of the podcast because we're getting <laughs> ourselves in oh natural. You know, this is great.
0: Yeah. Well, what I do is uh, like as soon as you guys accept the, uh, you know, my invitation, like for the Zoom call, um, what I, I just hit record. Right. And we. We just start talking and the, the, well, then we're doing it. the great thing is, is it's not live, you know. So I go back uh, and I get to edit out, you know, some of the hiccups and everything. Well, I'll be <laughs>
1: hiccuping as much as uh, possible in that case. because, uh, And then you could just make me sound smart, you know, that'll be good. Uh, and how many do you have under your belt now? I know you have a target
0: for this year uh honestly so officially we have about uh you'd be number 16 let's be like the 16th episode right yeah you know in the show honestly uh I'm, I'm a big fan of joe rogan of you know of course obviously <laughs> joe rogan and several other the uh, guys in the com- uh the comedy world you know and i was like you know what i was listening to a podcast one day and i was like you know what maybe I should just, like, start a podcast. Uh, I was out of boredom, and honestly, it started, like, in April, uh, late March, early April. I was like, let's just give it a shot, you know? I was sitting yeah. down watching a, a podcast and then also watching something on TV because, you know, now we watch stuff on YouTube on the laptop, but then we're also watching television, you know? Um, and yeah. I was sitting there, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I think I'm going to, re- you know, just call a buddy and record a phone call. I called my uh, my buddy. He's also my CPA, uh we gave mm-hmm. i gave him a ring i was like look man let's just talk for like an hour i'm going to hit yeah. record and let's just talk and i'm going to publish it and make it a podcast show he was like what are you gonna name the podcast you know and i was drinking like a bud light it was like uh i don't know man like uh beer bullshit you know i like i like you know i like be- <laughs> you know i like beer um right. you know and i like just talking with my friends you know and you know we uh you know we talk about everything and uh i was being sarcastic you know i was like you know call it bullshit we're shooting the shit mm-hmm. so why not <laughs> well it's, it's working and i gotta tell you it's a dream a lot of people have yeah
1: most of them don't do it most of them don't turn on record yeah and then a lot of people most people who do do it they do one or two and then that's it for them. You know, they, they, yeah. they just don't know how to take it after that. So uh, the, the idea of building up a library of these is so terrific and, and it's what it takes. And it's the only way uh, you're going to learn how to do it, but it's also the only way that people who are on your podcast get to know what your rhythm is and, and, right. and, and play into that, you know? Uh, if whether it's joe rogan or it's howard stern people go on those shows kind of knowing what the rhythm of the podcast is and you can't understand that until you've as the person who's the guest or whatever you want to call it uh you know gets a chance to get used to your style as much as you're getting
0: used to your style right absolutely yeah and it's uh it's it's been fun, you know. It's it's definitely uh you know it's challenging in the sense of I'm learning. I go back and listen to the first fifteen episodes, you know, and I'm learning on what I need to work on, you know, uh, yeah. you know what we need to polish up on on the show. And there's a lot of different variables and things that we do need to work on. But uh, for the most part, it's fun. I look forward uh-huh. every every week to having someone on and just simply having a conversation, you know.
1: And how terrific is that? Because if you have to leave where you are and wind up in St. Louis for three weeks, you can still do your show from St. Louis. You can do your show from Madrid, Spain. It doesn't matter where you are. You're you're putting together this, uh, this library, this show, and people will find one episode, maybe through a friend that you're interviewing. Next thing you know, they're listening to the other 15.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty great. You know, I definitely like it. I enjoy it, you know. And hopefully, uh, you know, it could become, you know, my career. <laughs> you know, it could uh-huh. be it could be something that I can do full time. You know, right now it's just all yeah. fun and games and uh, we're still learning. You know, I'm uh, I'm so hard on myself. You can ask my girl like I I beat myself up when I listen to the first 15. I'm like, oh, God, that's not you know, it's it makes me cringe, you know, in some of the episodes because so many things I need to work on. But it's a lot of fun, you know.
1: Uh, well, I think part of it is also once you get into your rhythm of
0: editing, yeah,
1: you'll be able to have more control over what the show sounds like. And you know, you may have some downtime and decide to go back to some of those earlier episodes and, and re-edit them, you know, move it around, play around with it. Um, because once you are free and in control of the editing process, then you're going to be more free in the podcast interview because you know, okay, I could let this guy, this guy seems to want to go off into left field. I could let him go off into left field because that's how I'm going to kind of catch him to get him to do what I want once he gets comfortable, you know, blowing off a story that nobody's going to be that interested in. I'm not that interested, but, you know, I'll let him take that five-minute journey. It's not going to be in the show. And, uh, you know, once you know that you... Uh, are comfortable with that editing process you'll be just more confident in uh, you know every guest is not going to be a great guest some guests are going to be
0: awful and uh, <laughs> but it's your job to make them seem like they were a great guest you know right right yes sir most definitely and I, I can't say for you know our small area um the show is definitely uh It's definitely effective, and I think it's changing the way other podcasters. There's only about 10 of us in the area. It's changing Uh the the way they're going about doing their show, you know. So I definitely appreciate it because my whole thing with with mine is, uh, you know, I I enjoy a cold drink uh, or even a hot one. Uh, I should have called it brew and bullshit because, you know, I like coffee and tea and then also beer, you know, all all things brewed. (laughs) Uh, But it's – it's, it's changing, uh, you know, just the narrative in a sense of uh, you don't have to stay. You don't have to just have local guests. I could reach out yeah. to like a, a Neil Cohen, you know, and, you know, the left part of the country, you know, the Western part of the country right. uh, via Zoom, the power of the Internet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I could also reach out to local guests. So I think it's making everyone else that that is podcasting in uh, our, our area uh, realize that you could reach out because now we have the Internet. I could reach out to someone yeah. across the world. You know, I don't have to just interview people in Southeast Texas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and what what you know, the the, the branding of your label beer and, and bullshit also <laughs> allows you to reach out to you know I spend a lot of time in upstate New York in the Hudson Valley and there's a whole lot of young people who are opening breweries you know and yeah. making the hops there out in the field there's one around the corner from us Arrowwood Brewery you know and and those are people you can talk to yeah. you know suddenly you're talking to somebody in upstate New York who's got a successful very young brewery that they're putting together yeah. and the and but they're also connected to social media they're connected to culture they're connected to politics and so you have an opportunity with what you're branding this wonderful young podcast to also sometimes get into some people who are making beer and get into some people who are pure bullshit
0: (laughs) yes sir yeah it's great you know and it's uh so far, you know, I'm fortunate enough to just reach out and uh, uh and meet and make friends with people, you know, uh, of all different statures, you know, and obviously, you know, people like you, you know, so I, you know, I'm blessed and I definitely uh, enjoy it. Uh, but enough about me. You know, this is uh, the show is definitely about you. <laughs> so well, I don't know how much uh,
1: anyone's going to be interested in that. Maybe I'll tell a few jokes and that'll be OK. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yes, sir. Well, people were definitely uh, looking forward to uh, uh, our episode, you know, unfortunately, just due to, you know, current events and everything going on, we had to postpone a a lot on my end. So I do apologize for that. Um, But just uh, just going back, just give like a little backstory on yourself, like your upbringing and things of that nature.
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm a guy from Queens, New York. Uh,
0: yes, sir. I can hear the accent.
1: A, yeah, yeah. you know, grew up in a small apartment, mom, dad, brother, you know, a little place there. And, uh, you know, I've in the last 30 years of my life, uh, I've sort of cobbled together some stumble bum living as a writer. Uh, And uh, not any kind of grandiose living, but doing uh, all kinds of projects that have been amusing to me and uh, some people uh, uh, seem to like. Uh, and uh, have had all those crazy jobs that anybody who sets out to be an artist, whether it's uh, a painter or a dancer or stand up comedian, means I spent a lot of years working in restaurants and bars and being a busboy and working in uh, a, a bookshops and driving a taxi and delivering uh, crates uh, out of a van, you know, uh, un- until uh, I got a little bit of traction going. And then I got a little bit of traction going, and often I would be back then driving a van delivering boxes to people because uh, nothing is a, is a straight trajectory, you know? Um, but you know, I've had the the luck to work on a couple of TV shows and work on some very strange movies. (laughs) And um, there's a movie that's uh, out now on VOD that uh, I made 34 years ago with a friend of mine and, we finished the picture, people didn't like it, and we left it in a closet and abandoned the movie and uh, lost it and then found it. And uh, when Donald Trump came down an elevator and said he wanted to be president, I was having uh, a dinner with this uh, guy I had made the movie with, uh, a, a very funny guy, older than me, hilarious guy who was in Romancing the Stone and a whole lot of movies. And uh, we said, you know, we made a movie about a New York real estate developer who wants to (laughs) go into politics. We should find that movie we made 34 years ago and see if it's uh, any good, you know? So we uh, found the movie and we looked at it. We said, you know what? With 34 years of experience, we know how to recut this thing and turn it into a funny, interesting picture. Right. And so uh, (laughs) that's what we've done. It's called Chief Zaboo. It's about a bunch of New York real estate guys trying to take over a Polynesian island. A guy is in New York to have a meeting at the UN. And uh, uh, we had a lot of fun making it. We had a lot of suffering when it came out. We didn't like the way it was after we had made it because it was the first time we had ever directed a movie. Right. And we didn't know that when you only have 15 days to shoot a movie and no money, it's not supposed to have 43 speaking roles and 22 locations and take place <laughs> in three cities and two continents. We thought that's how, you, uh, that's how you're supposed to make your first movie. So uh, when we first cut it together, it was 90 some odd minutes, which is what you needed in those days to release a picture. And it was shaggy and full <laughs> of a lot of garbage and no good. And now when we explored it Three decades later, we said, let's just cut out all the crap and get it down to the stuff we think is good. And we cut it down to a tight little 73 minutes. And now people, you know, can enjoy it. Had, it, had we have had our dream and had gotten this movie released 30 years ago, it would have sunk like a stone. We'd <laughs> uh, be miserable by just men. Now we're very proud of the picture that we made and it's getting wonderful reviews and the trades and I mean, there was a story about it in the New York Times of all places and, <laughs> and now people could for their 399 could rent this crazy movie called Chief Zavok
0: Yeah. It's just pretty great though. I mean, it's amazing to me that like here we are three decades later and it's, it's so it's more relevant than ever now, you know, (laughs) that's pretty cool. You know, I went and read like the synopsis of it. I was like, Holy shit. That sounds so familiar. It sounds like somebody I know. Maybe he's in office. Maybe he's the president. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the guy who stars in the picture, who unfortunately
1: just died a few weeks ago, um, had made about 125 movies in supporting roles. Wow. He he made a movie when he first came out of the uh, uh, block of being an actor, very early, very weird, independent movie called Cry Uncle, where he played this disheveled detective. And it was directed by a guy named John Avelson, whose next movie after Cry Uncle was Rocky. So the guy who directed this movie, Cry Uncle, then went on to Rocky and a a great, great career. And this guy, uh, Alan Garfield, um, went on to a, a very notable career as a supporting actor, working for... Uh, Francis Coppola uh, in The Conversation, working for Friedkin, working for Brian De Palma, working for... These names may not mean anything to your generation, but so many famous movies were Robert Redford and The Candidate. I mean, this guy just made about 125 movies, but never again had a leading role until we came along and stuck him in Chief Zabu.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. (laughs)
1: Given the opportunity, he ran with it. Let's just say that.
0: Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know that that's that's awesome to me. So uh you said you were uh born and raised in Queens? Mm-hmm. How was how was it growing up in, in Queens? I've I've never been to New York, so Well uh, wow. But, well
1: <laughs> once you could actually walk around without a mask and rubber gloves on. I uh, <laughs> highly recommend taking a few days going up there and just mingling in New York. It's uh it's a very exciting place. It's actually, if you got a place to, to put your head on a pillow, yeah. uh, it's and the right attitude, it's a much friendlier place than you might imagine. Right. Uh, if you're, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, if you're scurrying around and you're lost and you say, Hey, I'm lost. Where's this? You'll have 10 people help you. Yeah. And, uh, two of them may take you someplace you don't want to go, but the uh, 10 people will be <laughs> there to help you. Um, but growing up in Queens, you know, Manhattan is the, 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 place we all know from the movies, you know, that from the movies And Queens is about, uh, well, if you took the train in or something like that, about 45 minutes East, it's part of the city. Yeah, And it's, uh, you know, all the buildings are brick and whatnot, but it's not Manhattan. It's not Times Square. It's not Greenwich Village. It's not Harlem. It's not what, you know, you think of as New York City. So as a kid going into New York City, you'd drive in with your parents and you'd see these buildings. I mean, yeah. it was like going into the Land of Oz. It was just the, the craziest thing. And if you drive in from Queens, just before you get to the city, on the left side of the highway... And on the right side of the highway are two cemeteries that go oh, wow. for miles on undulating hills. <laughs> oh, so wow. you're driving in from your, uh, you know, the, your little apartment, and then you look out right before the bridge. There's, you know, a million dead people <laughs> on either <laughs> side of you, and then you either go over a bridge into the city, you go into a tunnel, but it's kind of like a little wake-up call, even if you're right. 10 years old. You know, yeah. and, uh, it's like a- how did those people get there? And they explain it to you. And you go, oh, you mean I'm not like around forever? <laughs> 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 I, I better enjoy this uh, trip to the, the museum or something, you know? Because uh, you, you, and, and who visits those people out there? And you're told, Nobody, yeah, <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> like, no okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, I better try to grab as much as I can get right now.
0: Yeah, you want to enjoy the uh short time we have here on earth, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you know, and then, uh, uh,
1: you know, coming of age, uh, in terms of uh, a career in New York, uh, I left, the uh, Queens I actually went to school. I went to community college in Queens and through a convoluted story, wound up in Los Angeles to, to finish my last couple of years of college. And, uh, in college met a girl from Brooklyn. And uh, nice. so uh, we got together and said, uh, you know, neither of us had ever lived in Manhattan. So let's say when we graduated, we decided to go back to New York and, try out Manhattan. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying this to depress anybody. I mean, if you see those movies of the 1970s, like the French Connection, the places, trash is everywhere. It's dangerous. (laughs) It's, It's, uh, It's, uh, you know, grim and overcast. But you get an apartment for $78 a month. (laughs) Now, it wasn't a nice apartment.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, you'd walk up and have to step over things that would crawl with tails and fur, you know. And <laughs> but, yeah, you know, you got to this apartment. It didn't cost much. You'd, you'd get some stupid job and you could pay for it. And if you wanted to put on a play, you would rent literally <clears throat> a garage downtown yeah. for one hundred twenty dollars, and you'd get some folding chairs and put on a play. Now, <laughs> yeah. Could you get anyone to show up maybe some nights? I mean, we would do plays, but sometimes there would be more people on stage than would be in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we did a play that took place in a bar, and one night in the middle of the play, a couple of guys wandered in and wanted to start ordering drinks. They came on stage. So that became a part of the play. I mean, it was a crazy kind of world that you were growing up in, um, but, uh, I think now the people like yourself and your audience in those days, if somebody said, I'd like to be a radio broadcaster and create a show where I'm interviewing somebody, whereas yeah. the apartment would cost $78 a month to do what you're doing would cost $78,000. Right.
0: <laughs> and you'd have to
1: ask somebody's permission to do it. Yeah. So your living costs for young people are much more expensive but you're walking around with a movie studio in your pocket. Yeah. You're walking yeah. around with a radio broadcasting studio on your head and on a on a screen that you already own. Yeah. And so you have to balance that out that the opportunities for younger people to at least Not attain their dream, whatever their dream is, but to try it out, to see if it works, to have some fun doing it. It's just fantastic.
0: Yeah. Boy, the times have changed, right? $78 rent. (laughs) In my day, everything was you
1: had to ask people's permission to do anything. Yeah. And if people said, you stink... (laughs) well if enough people said you stink you couldn't find another one who because he would say you you were you were done you know now Now you can go out and find an audience and it may be difficult but you can make the attempt and you can try stuff
0: yeah and all different things you know the power of the internet you can literally you know we have so many options you know and uh so many things like uh you know, I know school is important and uh, my girlfriend has two kids, so I stress this to them every chance mm-hmm. I get. But I also let them know and I, I show them, you know, that I, with the Internet, you know, if you have an idea and you know what you want to do and you have a plan, you can execute yeah. that plan and make these things happen, you know, yeah, for little to no startup costs. You know, it doesn't take much. Right. So it's right. awesome. You know, I like it.
1: Yeah. And you got a space to get better as long as you're not getting too hung up on how many people are watching the show right away in the first right. month, you right. know um, how come I'm not getting advertisers yet? Well, I mean, you got to first build up who you are and, yeah. <laughs> and, and get people to to, to draw in, and then you also have to figure out how uh, how aggressive you're comfortable being. This is a tough one. It took me. Oh, I'd say 20 years to learn it. So, <laughs> but how comfortable you are promoting yourself.
0: Yeah. Most well, said, it, definitely. It,
1: it, it, it's a tough one. Now, a lot of people don't find it difficult to promote themselves and, uh, but they got nothing to say and they're idiots, you know, but <laughs> you know where their energy goes to is to self prom- promotion. But yeah, there's yeah. A, a number of people who are very, very talented who have a hang-up being willing to call themselves an artist or being willing to call call themselves a broadcaster or an entertainer or an interviewer. They're doing it, but yet they feel uncomfortable. If somebody said, hey, what do you do? You'd you'd say, well, gee, I'm a a guy who works in a supermarket before you'd say you're a a, a podcaster. because I think you don't deserve the title of it. And and getting used to feeling you're making a contribution and you deserve to be promoting it, and which also means, and this is a tough one, asking people for help. Yeah. Is uh, something you got to get over. And you got to learn to ask people for help. Because it's very easy for them to say no, but you'll always be surprised at the one that says yes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's I think that's my biggest uh, struggle or the biggest obstacle for me right now is, like you said, asking for help, but also just uh, having the confidence and telling people like, look, I'm a podcaster, you know. So it's uh, it's something that I'm working on. Um, You know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's uh, it's definitely a wake up call, you know. Uh, It's something I definitely want to pursue forever now. It's a lot of fun, you know, like sitting here. I don't consider this work, you know, so, you know, I I love it. But uh, it's something that I'm definitely working on, you know, uh, in a sense of claiming that uh, or, or, you know, just taking on that role full time. You know,
1: I mean, you put the time in, you put in the work in, just kind of claim the space Yes. Sir. And it, yeah. it, it, it's also kind of weird. I mean, I, I don't want to send anybody down into some weird rabbit hole and then they come back and say, I don't know who you are. I heard you say this. You gave me this advice. It's so wrong. You ruined my next six months of my life. But um, it's tough asking people for money. Yeah. <laughs> but as tough as it is asking for people for money, don't make it tough asking people for help.
0: Right, because right. You'll
1: come up to some people who could be very qualified, very important. And you say, gee, I, I need a little help. And they get uptight. I mean, they got all the money in the world. They could help you with money. But but they hear it's about money. They, they you know, go under a rock somewhere. But if they yeah, say, gee, yeah. I need help uh, get in a studio for a week to do a special thing. They'll go, yeah. oh, yeah. OK, that's great. <laughs> I'll help you do that. And maybe my friend could help you do it, too. You know, because he needs some experience or uh, she's really good with lighting or sound or this, that and the other thing. Um, You'd be surprised how certain people who you think are very unapproachable, if you're asking them for technical help or talent help, or um, I'd love to call somebody and ask them if I could talk to them, you know, some people say no. A lot of people say yes. And when they say yes, they actually dig helping you. It's like makes them feel good, (laughs) you know, because in their regular life, whether they're in a bank or they're at a school administration or whatever they're doing, all they're doing is telling people no, you know, but if you're asking them something, particularly if it's in even the vaguest area that they're doing okay in that area. And now they could help somebody. So when we did this Cheap Zabu movie,
0: yeah.
1: all we had left, and I'll, I mean, I may even have to explain this. When we went to find it, all we had was a VHS tape. Now that's a <laughs> machine that's for DVDs. It's a v, so we had a VHS tape that was a fifth generation VHS tape. So when you looked at this tape, if you made the movie, you knew what was going on. But if you didn't, it looked like fish in an aquarium swimming around. I mean, it was all <laughs> green and blurred. So we had that transferred to, to digital. We cut it on digital. And then the person who was helping us said, uh, you know, you can't show this movie to human beings. And we said, uh, why is that? And she said, because you're the only ones who could tell what's going on on the screen. to somebody else that'll look like some screensaver, some head trip screensaver. You got to <laughs> yes. go find the negative. So, so began a multi- month search for this negative that we hadn't seen in three decades, which was finally found under a pile of old tax records and laundry in some guy's basement in Burbank, California. Oh, wow. (laughs) So here we have a 35 millimeter negative. We don't know what to do with it. So we take it to the last laboratory they have in L.A. that handles 35 millimeter film. Oh. So we tell the story to the head of the, the head of the lab. And we say, but, dude, we don't have any bread. (laughs) We need this (laughs) thing transferred to digital. And the guy just says, I mean, he's working on things like Leonardo DiCaprio movies, you know, know, the biggest movies. he takes a look at us knuckleheads and he says, well, even though the two of you are an aggregate 143 years old, you (laughs) are not legitimate low-budget, first-time, independent filmmakers, I'll do the job for the student rate. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, the guy didn't have to do that, but it was like it made him feel good. Right. To help a couple of knuckleheads, the story was good enough. When he asked for help, you know... Don't make it sound like you're trying to break into somebody's house and steal something. I mean, be clear about how they can help you, you know. But if you ask somebody for help and it makes them feel good about who they are to help you. Yeah. You know, yeah. the guy didn't say, I'll give you the student rate, but then I want twenty percent of the film. No, he just said, Yeah, I'll do that. That that that'll be cool, you know? Yeah. That'll yeah. be cool. Give me a thank you somewhere at, at the <laughs> end of the picture, you know?
0: Yeah, it's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: you know it, 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 And and it's actually good practice asking, Yeah, you know, because if you get a little more successful, if you get very successful, if you get successful for four months and then you're not and then you get back, you're just always going to have to be asking people things.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I think it just goes back to uh, what you were saying earlier, just tapping into that confidence, you know, and then also like pride as well. You know, like if you're prideful in what you do, uh, you won't have a problem asking, you know, and it's just something I'm, you know, I'm personally working on, uh, you know. So was film always your thing, like screenwriting, film, uh, obviously comedy should have been a stand up comic.
1: (laughs) You still can.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Definitely. That that was always your go-to. You were always into like filmmaking and things like that.
1: Um. Yeah, you know, I was into like doing art, like art with clay, with modeling clay. I would do like these best scenarios of clay figures as a kid <laughs> my yeah. father who was very working class would come home and just like step around this stuff it's <laughs> like no nobody discouraged me nobody they figured i was the nut in the family that's fine you know um but you know i thought i'd wind up uh because i couldn't actually get it out of my mouth that i Ooh. wanted to be a writer yeah yeah I figured I'd wind up being a history teacher
0: because (laughs) that's
1: something I could say. And people would go, Oh, and they'd nod, you know, but if you said, I want to be a writer, they'd look at you like, who do you think you are? What what, what are you crazy? You know? So, (laughs) uh, but then I found that my sort of happy place was sitting in a room alone, writing stuff
0: Mm -hmm. and writing
1: stuff that would, I would find amusing. Um, you know, and then once you had a body of work, you could take it out, and you assume, well, then everyone's going to think the same thing, and then you have to get disabused of that notion that yeah, yeah. You, you know you got to find a you got to find some people, you got to find some people who want to support your dream and think you're good or think they could make some money out of you. Um, it, it's yeah. everybody's path, everybody's journey. Um, is different you know you have to you got to make some big mistakes i mean i made such enormous mistakes blown off people uh, yeah. who could have been helpful and being attracted to people who were literally the most unhelpful person but they may have a more charismatic personality yeah. or put <laughs> me in, in a better comfort zone to be myself yeah you know, um, and uh, and you look back and you say, well, I could have taken that path or I could have taken this path or, you know, uh, uh, what would have been right or what would have been wrong. But, you know, now when I look back, it was like, it's OK, you know, it, it, it's fine. I got to do um, mostly work I was proud of, uh, you know, walked away from some jobs if I thought they were uh, um insulting to the state of the world or uh, whatever my morality was and is. And then could, you know, just get into... You know, at this point in my life, you know, just get into like crazy stuff. You know, I put out this kid's book that I wrote and illustrated. Yeah. You know, nobody said go do that. Nobody said I'm gonna pay you to do that. It was just I was between jobs and got back to the art thing and had just the greatest time creating this kid's book called American Gargoyles, which has picked up a little bit of steam and got some good yeah. reviews and it's got a line of T-shirts, and people are wearing this stupid T-shirt in <laughs> Marseille, France, and in Stockholm, Sweden, and uh, here in L.A. and in New York, and and uh, there I'm in a conversation now. Some media company wants to option the book, you know, yeah. but just to, I don't know if the next sentence I'm going to say is going to be encouraging or discouraging to your young audience. (laughs) I started working on this thing 10 years ago, you know? It's not like, uh, oh, you know, in the movie they have a montage. I think I'll write a book. The guy sits down, he writes a book. Next thing you know, uh, you know, there's some surfers wearing the T-shirt in uh, Copenhagen, you know? No, it's, you know, (laughs) Uh, and everyone told I can't tell you how many people, you know, patted me on my head like I was, uh, you know, the kid who uh, needed a little special attention. You know? <laughs> <laughs> why, why would you do such a thing? You know, and then finally I found somebody who liked it enough to put it out and put it in hardcover and get it out there. And, uh, you know, so now people like that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's well, That I think that's what's awesome about today's world. I mean, you could literally uh, you could direct a movie and then you can like backdoor and write uh, hip hop or perform a, a rap song, become a rapper. You know, there's, we can do so many different things, you know, um, just again, just due to the power of the Internet. You know, it's, it's amazing. You know, uh, and speaking of uh, American Gargoyles, I got to get my shirt. <laughs> I need to uh, go purchase a shirt. And then also I see you have the mug. Yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> it's uh it's it's pretty wild yeah it's good it, it, it it's a funny little book and, and it actually through that you know and you just never know what's going to lead to what you know so i needed to make some like little promotional videos i yeah, thought yeah. i mean i don't know anything i i just stumble from thing to thing you know yeah um, yeah but I figured, you know, if I got some little promotional videos made of the T-shirt, it could help sell the book and, uh, you know, uh, wandered down to Venice Beach in California, and uh, which is not far from where I live, but it, you know, I've never been on a wheeled thing on a Platform in my life, you know, a skateboard or, a <laughs> yeah. surfboard or anything like that. And, you know, started getting friends with the moms of some of the kids down there. And they were, you know, willing to be in some videos or take their own videos because I wouldn't know anything about that. And then through that, I met your friend, uh, M- Mariah Marquez.
0: Yeah. yeah who she's to she's know awesome, isn't she? <laughs>
1: oh, unbelievable. She wanted to know what was going on. And I explained. and she said, well, I'll make a video, you know, uh, yeah, give yeah. me a T-shirt, I'll make a video. And uh, I said, fine, I'll give you, you know, a couple of bucks, make a video. That'll be great. Uh, she said, when do you need it? I said, in two weeks. And she cracked up laughing. She said, I'll have it for you in four days, you know. <laughs> so she makes yeah. this video, uh, Texas girl, for all your you Texas listeners. Yeah. And it's like the best thing I've ever seen. It just absolutely blows my mind. Yeah. And next thing you know, this T-shirt that she does this uh, a, a promotional, you know, 60-second video for it is in like one of the most high-end fashion shops in Los <laughs> Angeles. Yeah. They see this video. They say, we want to sell this T-shirt. Yeah. And, you know, so then from that, we did a couple of other videos together that I just, you know. She would just go run with it. And, uh, you know, I've always wanted to be a little bit of a producer, an impresario or whatever. So I said, why don't you go off and make a movie, a short film, about your world and your life. And she did, and it's great. And it got into film festivals, and it won awards, and it got reviews in New York, and it's going to be playing in a film festival in Paris, France next week.
0: Yeah, I saw that post. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's that's great.
1: Yeah, it's it's great. It's a great movie, but you know, it's if you if you're willing to put yourself out there, yeah, yeah, um, and get a little bit out of your. I mean, when I say get out of your comfort zone, I'm not saying get out of your comfort zone and do something stupid, but you know, just <laughs> get out of your comfort zone a little bit. You know, I mean, yeah. you calling yourself a podcaster and doing it. Right. Getting out of your comfort zone, because I'm sure there's some people you know, I'm sure most people are saying, Corey, this is the greatest thing. So proud of you. I'm so excited. But other people you know who you like are probably saying, who do you think you are?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, and that's the first thing, you know, it's like you can have... 999 uh, positive comments or feedback or percentage of feedback, but that 1% or that one person of negativity can just fuck up your entire day.
1: <laughs> and, and part of the struggle is to not allow that to happen. You know, know. so yeah. like on this yeah. Chief booth thing, we've gotten maybe... 18 wonderful reviews, everything from the New York Times, the Hollywood Reporter, uh, uh, cinema magazines in uh, Italy. I mean, you, you can't believe it. Well, the guy from the LA Times said it was the worst movie he ever saw. Oh, wow. And my partner, who's 10 years older than me, that's all the guy talks about is the one guy who hated the movie.
0: That one go, one comment.
1: Zach, man, you know, like uh, it, that can't be the lead of every conversation.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> because you also have like 17 like good reviews, you know, like. Yeah, it's great. But uh back to uh, Mariah. Yeah, so I've known Mariah since like fourth or fifth grade, and it's like even back then, back in fifth grade, I knew like as a young child, like I knew I was like this girl is going to be something very special. Whenever we become adults, um, you know, we live out the rest of our lives. Like I knew, like there's just something special about her, you know. And I watched that film, um, or I watched her short uh, movie, and. I knew I was like, this is exactly what I thought. You know, maybe twenty some odd years ago. You know, like two decades ago. She's she's fantastic. You know, she's an artist, and in every sense of the word. So, yeah, you know, she, she's she's brilliant.
1: When she made that first promo for me, you know, I'm um, you know some crazy old nut guy. What do I know? I showed it to my wife, who's that girl from Queen, from Brooklyn, who we yeah. all moved back to Manhattan for, uh, together. And uh, my <laughs> wife uh, was the uh, art director of uh, Esquire magazine. And she was uh, invited to come to the Smithsonian and give a big speech about uh, art direction and design. And uh, so she she knows a lot of stuff. And I said, okay, am I nuts? Does this girl <laughs> like know something about filmmaking this I mean, just take a look at this thing I'm gonna leave the room you know yeah. and my wife April she said this thing is great this this, this person's just absolutely great you know right. yeah and then when we uh, finished making the short film we I was 3,000 miles away she made the whole movie I just was, <laughs> you know yelling at her to finish it um, we A friend of mine has a screening room in L.A. because she shot it on her iPhone. And we were a little concerned of what the quality would be like if it was put up on a big screen. Right. So uh, I called this guy who is the, one of the major Hollywood projectionists with a projection room, private screening room. Could we put this movie up? And the guy said, sure. I mean, this is a guy who uh, has worked with everyone in Hollywood, but he also worked with Jimmy Cliff uh, the, back in the day when he was doing The Harder They Come, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so most of the time, this guy will put up a movie, get it running and then go have a cup of coffee or get on the phone. And, you know, I mean, he's seen, he's seen seven movies a day, you know? And uh, so that's what I figured this guy, Dave would do. Um, So he puts up the movie. We look at it on a big screen. It is of the quality that you can show it on a, on a big screen. You know, it it has Mm. a certain very expressionistic and dreamy uh, and impressionistic quality, but that works for the film yeah and you know it's the first time I'm seeing it on a big screen, and it's the first time she's seeing it on the big screen mariah and this guy the movie ends the room goes dark, and the door gets kicked open <laughs> by <laughs> this guy Dave <laughs> He's around, man, and this guy Dave walks in he says, he points his finger at mariah
0: yeah. <laughs> and he says
1: wait a minute. You didn't <laughs> tell me you were an artist. <laughs> he said, I started looking at this thing to see if it was in register and it was in focus. And I was going to walk. He said, I just kept watching the whole movie. He said, you're not only an artist, you're an artist artist. <laughs> and so that, right. kind of, you know, gave us a lot of confidence to then show it to other people. Yes. But he said, the, the, you, you, you don't. I uh, hope you understand what you created. So your sense that, you know, she was an artist then and, and would go on and do something like that. Yeah. Um, it's not just you and it's not just me. And it's not just her. It's like, <laughs> this, this thing has been, uh, the, the, you know, her work has been validated by some uh, pretty trippy people.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. And it's crazy. Life is crazy, period. But it's crazy to me that like, you know, people that just go through the absolute most just come out. Most of them just come out and become like these phenomenal people, you know, like they. They, they have, like, a, a crazy or shitty upbringing, you know. Her upbringing seemed very, you know, very well, very nice. But, like, just her health and everything she went through and overcame or she's overcoming now, you know, just developed, like, this amazing artist, you know. And uh, if, after watching that short, but even after uh, our episode. Oh, yeah. Okay, but yeah, our uh, our episode, uh, you know, of the podcast, um uh she uh you uh, know that that it inspires me. Like I go back and listen to that episode uh, every chance I get and like uh it's it's amazing, you know, just hearing her story. You know, I know her, but like hearing her story and everything she's been through after high school. Yeah, after high school, you know, it uh Uh, everything she's been through uh, thus far is amazing, you know, and I I, I wish her well, she's doing well for herself. And I wish her the very best, you know, for the remaining of her career, you know, Uh, hopefully, you know, we could link up one day.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, she's, she's, she's just really wonderful. Whatever she decides to grab for it's uh, that thing is going to get better by her touching it. it. But it's funny getting back to that conversation we were having about confidence in how you're willing to define yourself yeah so you know i'm you know i'm an old i'm an old crazy guy you know i've been around (laughs) forever i'm doing this so the other night i'm having dinner with a friend of mine who because her movie mariah's movie is going to france we need french subtitles on it
0: Ah, so okay, I okay. find
1: this out, and I go into uh, a complete mental meltdown because anything technological scares me like I'm a a caveman and a tiger's chasing me. You know, I mean, uh, somebody says <laughs> anything anything having to do with electronic technology, and I know these things are going to have to be coded and timed and put on. I don't know how to do it, so I turn to a friend of mine who's a very successful producer and has produced uh, documentaries that have been nominated for Academy Awards and has worked for many, many very famous people as a producer and as a post-production supervisor. So he sees the movie, says, well, let me look at the movie. He looks at the movie, says, I see a hundred of these a day. I hate them all. So if I hate it, I can't, you know, but he calls. he says, I love it. Love the movie. Wow. It's great. <laughs> he pulls in a, 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 a filmmaker who speak, who's French and speaks fluent French to supervise that the subtitles are correct. He brings in a top notch post-production guy to get this, I don't even know the terminology of what it is to get it ready to be shown on a screen in in, in Paris, France. Yeah. And so I take the guy out for a dinner, six feet apart, <laughs> but I take the guy out for dinner and was sitting there. And I say to the guy, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it's like so much fun to have been involved in that movie because, you know, I get to be like the producer. Right. And the guy says man, like, what's the matter with you? You're not like the producer, (laughs) you're the producer. I mean, you produce (laughs) the thing, your name on the screen says produced by with your name, you're doing Mm -hmm. all the, why do you say I'm like a producer? (laughs)
0: Right, right.
1: And I said, well, that goes back to that basic insecurity. He said, well, just Don't do that. So, you know, you hear me lecturing and people who are younger are listening to this. But believe me, all day long, people are saying to me, don't do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you think it's just uh, like that's just in our DNA, like uh, people that are super humble to the point where they forget, uh, you know, that you can be a little confident and claim that role. You know what I mean? Like, I think uh, my parents were, you know, they were entrepreneurs and they were super, super humble. So, you know, when people ask about the podcast, I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I I do the show part time. But, uh, you know, I'm also a little bit insecure about it. Uh, Do you think it's just like in in my DNA? You think I get it from them or it's just something that we have to work on as individuals?
1: I think it's in the DNA. Yes, it's definitely whatever your emotional makeup is, you know, so uh, whatever is it how you brought up or is it what's in your DNA. So definitely if you're a little shy, if you're a little I mean there's people who are way out there but actually in one-on-one interactions are dreadfully shy. Right. There's right. people who are it could walk into a room and captivate an entire room and then if you turn on a microphone or a camera and say action, they absolutely freeze up. Right. So yeah. there's all kinds of makeups of people. But if you know that an area of your emotional makeup is a weakness. Mm. Um it's something to work on and it and it's something to work on a way to work on it is if you're humble about doing the podcast that may be something you want to share with people you really trust. Right. But then if there's people who you're looking to get, to bring in, you want to interview. I mean, you're terrific at this. You do great at this. It's, I'm, I'm put at ease. I've done about 10 of these over the last three weeks. And after a couple of them, I have to be institutionalized because <laughs> the guy never put me at ease, you know? Wow. Um, but you have a way about you that does put people at ease. So sometimes what I try to do is with some people where it doesn't actually matter because they don't know me that well. <laughs> I'm not saying walking around like, uh, you know, I'm juggling 17 knives or something like that, but just put on a performance. I'm not being so humble. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like,
1: like, just like, try it out, you know, try it out at Costco. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) You know, hi, you're a nice guy. What do you do as they're checking out your water bottles? And you go, oh, I do (laughs) podcast. You just see, like, you see that you're not going to get, you know, beat up by saying it, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For, there's, there's someone yelling. Uh, so for everybody listening, I'm currently uh, in a hotel room. Uh, and also for you, I'm currently in a hotel room just due to the weather and we don't have power at my apartment. So, wow. so yeah, it sucks. I'm, I'm in the same area. I sent the girl and kids to Dallas just to get out of harm's way, you know. Um, but, uh, luckily, uh, the, the storm, Hurricane Laura, it shifted a little bit. So it was like, you know what, uh, I'll just stay at the, uh, stay at a, a nearby hotel, you know? So, I mean, if you hear any turbulence on the outside or any yelling, it's just other people that had the, a similar idea.
1: <laughs> well, it adds a little drama to it, you know?
0: <laughs> it makes it more real, I guess. <laughs> you know,
1: yeah. people yeah. can timestamp when this took place. This is a... <laughs> This is a post and pre-hurricane podcast today. Yeah,
0: yeah yes, sir, most definitely. Uh, speaking of natural disasters, uh, how is everything in California, like with the fires and stuff? You're not are-
1: near where we are. I've got a bunch of friends up in the Bay Area, and they're suffering something awful because... Uh, um, a friend in Santa Cruz who's had to evacuate, and then in the Bay Area, which is the the city of San Francisco, the fires aren't in the city, but the, there's a cloud of smoke over the city, which uh-huh. doesn't sound that bad. But uh, last year, the fires were down here in Southern California, uh-huh. and uh, it, it was pretty darn challenging because literally the smoke was so thick you couldn't breathe. Um, And uh, when the whole COVID thing started, uh, uh, we were a little ahead of the game because everybody's got a closet full of N95 masks, which they had to buy last year in order to be able to breathe inside their apartments. That's how thick the smoke was. So, uh, you know, we're, With everything we're doing, we're all up against it. But, uh, you know, all we can do is try to take care of each other. And all we can do, Corey's listeners, especially in Texas, is make sure you're registered to vote and get out there and vote. Because this is uh, this is very important, you know, and drag your friends and get them to do it. Because particularly in places like Texas and Louisiana, not so much in New York or California, but in places like Texas, Louisiana, North Carolina, your vote, your your vote counts. And it's, and it's huge, huge impact.
0: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, you know, I I try to encourage uh, not only my listeners, but friends and uh, family as well to, uh, especially this year, you know, it's been a really crappy shitty year but I, I encourage everyone to vote because uh we, we 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 need that you know we need your vote <laughs> like you said so uh so what's on the yeah yeah
1: texas is in play and if it's uh not in play now it'll be in play uh, 18 months again from now two years from now and uh it's uh, the, the people of Texas are going to really define what happens in America. So don't throw that vote away. Don't throw this opportunity to be engaged.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Do you ever uh, you ever come down to Texas? You ever give us a visit?
1: If <laughs> want to now? Now I know all these people uh, <laughs>
0: between
1: Mariah, between yourself, between yes, people who've reached out. They want to know about that film. Uh suddenly I know people in Texas. I spent a week once in San Antonio, which I found very charming. I, I liked San Antonio I to Dallas, and I've never been to Austin. So I got a lot of stuff to look forward to.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes, yes sir, most definitely. There's uh... Or
1: Beaumont or uh, <laughs> Galveston, or I'll go down the list. I'll just try to stay out of Tyler from what I've been reading. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there are a few little... Uh little bumps uh that you are uh, you know little bruises you don't you, you don't want to visit i call them bumps and bruises and that's the little little hick towns you know uh, yeah, but I, i've places. lost you
1: for a moment once we got once we got too serious here the uh internet got scared i think
0: <laughs> yeah yeah we're uh, we're in and out uh, can you hear me now though we good
1: yes i do yeah Okay.
0: Okay. cool, cool. cool. Yes, sir. Uh, And I definitely want to uh, pay California in general uh, a visit. The furthest west I've ever been is uh, Nevada. And of course, it was Las Vegas. Uh, I've been to Vegas a handful of times and it's a lot of fun. But uh, I hear there's nothing like California. You know, I I hear California is a very special place.
1: Well, again, let's wait till this madness is no longer here so we can go in and out of places and visit places. (laughs) and uh we'll make you feel very much at home you know we'll we'll show you around the place you'll find you have more friends than you even knew you had out here
0: <laughs> yeah yes sir uh so what what's next for mr neil neil Cohen? what what's on the agenda and the future if we can get out of 2020 <laughs>
1: we can get out of 2020 well uh, yeah so uh, i'm again i'm i'm encouraging everyone i know from all all these states to to get out there and get their friends to vote. Um, The the Chief Zaboo's out there. We're hoping that that we finish closing this deal on American gargoyles. I uh, am in the middle of writing a again people are going to hear and say how am I ever going to have a career like this guy it's great (laughs) you'll work for five years you'll be unemployed for eight years you'll work again for three years I mean that's my life you know but it just so happens here at this uh uh uh, this act of my life I'm working a lot so I'm working on a tv pilot for a a, a hour-long limited cable series and uh we'll uh we'll announce what it is if it actually gets sold but uh, i'm working for a a studio and uh it's a job i'm enjoying writing so uh cool uh yeah
0: yes sir well i'm definitely uh i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to anything that you create or produce i mean you obviously obviously make a quality, great work, you know, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward now to buying my t-shirt. Yeah. Yes, sir.
1: And then take a picture of yourself on it and I'll stick it all over Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) American Gargoyles. That's where you can find me. I'm always putting on a little bit of a show every day or so. with some kind of something funny or comic or something that relates to something or somebody in my world. And I can't wait to talk about your podcast.
0: Yeah. Yes, sir.
1: Tell me people can hear it.
0: Yeah, most definitely. This is uh, this this has been great. Uh, Before we go, how can everyone reach you? uh, You know, your uh, Twitter or Instagram or however your contact, how could they get in contact with you?
1: I literally can't figure out Facebook. (laughs) I literally (laughs) can't figure out Twitter except to read stuff and get. Mad at everybody, but yeah. Instagram I've kinda found a home. So if yeah. you just go to American Gargoyles, there's always goofy stuff about that book, about uh, Chief Zabu, about me, about friends who are doing some cool things, and, uh, and and give it a look. And then if you want to send me a direct message, uh, I'm one of those nuts. i will write back to you. <laughs>
0: Fantastic, Mr. Neil. Fantastic. Well, again, I appreciate you so much for coming on. I'm glad we finally got to make this happen, you know. <laughs> oh,
1: it was it was just. A so don't worry about it. This was this was because you're doing great at it.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much, sir. I'll definitely be reaching out to you and shooting you texts and calls and uh, annoying the, the crap out of you. So uh, stay tuned.
1: <laughs> it, 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 it. Mr. Corey, it would be my pleasure to be annoyed by you. You're a <laughs> terrific guy. You've created just a beautiful environment. And thank you, sir, so much.
0: No problem at all. Good afternoon.
1: Take care, brother.
0: Yes, sir. You too.